for the crashing sound coming from somewhere in the house, Warwick winces, wondering how he will ever get used to there not being noise. He pauses from packing up what seems to be a never-ending stack of books, still trying to separate Jack's from his own. The comic books and graphic novels are a sure thing, as is the stack of poetry anthologies that he bought in a garage sale three years ago and won't let anybody else touch. But the healthy eating, the fitness books and the ones on astrology are most definitely Jack's. They have so much in common as father and son, but taste in books is one thing for which they are worlds apart. Warwick tells himself he won't miss the books, won't miss the strange green mulch in the fridge every time Jack is on a health kick, which is always. He won't miss the hair in the shower that clogs the drain if Jack gets in the shower before him in the morning. He definitely won't miss the smell that lingers and follows Jack around every time he makes them chilly, and nor will he miss the pointed looks he receives for everything he eats that isn't healthy. Jack, though, Warwick thinks, sitting back on his haunches and staring up at the rapidly emptying shelves, he doesn't know how he's going to do without. He's raised him alone since Jack was barely two, and as proud as Warwick is that Jack is now going off to college, it is hard to picture this house feeling like a home without his son. Jack curses out loud bringing Warwick back from musings that are anything less than amusing, leaving him snorting in laughter at what is probably a stub toe. It's what you get for leaving packing to the last minute and going round in those ridiculous flip-flops, Warwick says as Jack stumbles into their living room sideways with an oblong box. Jack answers only with a scowl, and Warwick thinks he will even miss that. Even if Jack has promised to come back as often as he can. Even if Warwick knows he'll show up with laundry and the house will feel like he hasn't been away. It's taking them hours to cram all of Jack's things in the old truck that Warwick is gifting to him so he has at least some kind of transport. Warwick is almost, almost, looking forward to the train journey home alone with nothing to carry. The poor truck is already piled high with clothes, more books, and Jack's overwhelming collection of toiletries that will no longer spill over every surface of their bathroom. They had a falling out over it just before Jack stomped off to his soon-to-be old bedroom, actually for Warwick insisting on wrapping everything that could spill liquid in food wrap or something, and Jack. Not. I think this is the last box, Jack says as he drops the box he's carrying to the floor and collapses into the nearest armchair. For the way it creaks, Warwick thinks he might treat himself to a new furniture suite, as well as a new car. You wanna take anything from the kitchen? No, Jack says, smiling, that's all yours. The kitchen is Warwick's favorite room in the house, the one he's always put the most effort into doing anything with. With gleaming surfaces and sparkling pans, Warwick is half relieved everything is staying exactly where it is. Though he does worry how the hell Jack is going to fend for himself when he can barely boil an egg without some level of international disaster occurring. You, ah. Uh, you want me to fix you something before we leave? Dad, Jack says, bordering on exasperated even though he's smiling, I'm good. Warwick nods, tells himself he isn't bothered at all by how eager Jack is to be leaving. He doesn't think on it too much as Jack rambles on about the unpacking he has to do, the freshers events he's already signed up for online, and all the other things Jack has already got decided in this new life of his. With a little more force than is necessary, Warwick yanks at the bookshelf he's just emptied, trying to get it more flush with the wall. Something is blocking the side of it, Warwick drops down to press his face into the carpet so he can see better, scrabbling around at the back of the shelf until his fingers close around yet another book. This yours, Jack? Warwick asks though he knows he isn't as soon as he looks at the cover. It's a book on runes that he remembers taking out from the library months ago. Years, Warwick amends as he cracks back the cover and looks at the date stamped inside.
Two of them, he's not even sure they still stamp books in libraries these days. You want one more coffee before we set off? Warwick hears Jack say as he reads the blurb on the back of the book and tries to come up with a list of excuses for why he's so late returning it. When Warwick looks up Jack's look is guarded, hopeful, and even, he thinks, a little bit lost. For all Jack's bravado and excitement, Warwick thinks there's a little hesitance about this move he just hasn't got around to saying out loud. Warwick tosses the book on the couch and groans as he pushes himself to his feet, already heading into the kitchen to put on the machine. He puts out two cups, how many times will he forget and make two when it's just him living here now? Swallowing back the strange reluctant though excited sadness threatening to choke him up, Warwick pulls out a chair at the table for Jack to sit while they wait for their coffee, listening as he continues to talk. The library looks no different to what Warwick remembers, down to the book carts with the creaking wheels leading tracks in the faded red carpet, and the wallpaper peeling behind the small reception desk from where there was once a leak upstairs. It even smells the same, that cloying, musty book smell that is half comforting and half stomach churning. Warwick doesn't even remember exactly why he stopped coming here or when. Perhaps it was a change of job or maybe during one of Jack's school projects when Warwick had focused all his energy on little else. Whatever the reason, two years is a pretty long time to be holding on to a library book. He can already picture the librarian berating him, has looked up online what kind of charges he might be in for so he knows what to expect. Not that the library website told him anything. Warwick has cashed a hand but also his card if it gets too steep, though also checks he has a clear run to the exit in case some late returns librarian police come marching out to drag him away somewhere. Warwick wonders if Mrs. Sue still works here the sweet-looking lady who always used to serve him, terrifying Jack when he was little with her deathly stare whenever he made too much noise. It makes him think of her son Simon. Warwick glances over towards the tables he used to sit at wondering if he is still lurking around. The table is full, half of the seats taken up by students bent over books and laptops, with the other side a swarm of rustling newspapers and furiously scribbled notes. Warwick wonders then if on that last corner, right in the center of the divider, Jack's initials are still etched. He even makes a point of trying to walk past to see it, rolling his eyes when his view is blocked by the turning of a newspaper page. Warwick debates taking out another book while he is here, ponders slotting the well-overdue library book into one of the passing carts and making a run for it, then scolds himself for having come all the way here just to be looking to walk away again. The worst that can happen, he reminds himself as he squeezes the book to his chest beneath his jacket, is a thorough telling off. He is a little too old at this point to be so concerned about that. Still, Warwick takes several more laps of the library, casting a fond smile over some of the titles and even skimming his fingers along one of the shelves. This is a mistake, he grimaces at his fingertips that are now covered in thick dust, looks around for somewhere to wipe them, then sighs as he skims them over the side of his jeans. Turning on his heel, Warwick heads for the main desk hoping to find at least an almost friendly face, giving the tall man currently serving a wide berth for the heavy furrow of his brow. He lingers by the end of an all waiting to see if there's anyone else that might be serving, still trying to perfect his excuses and coming up with nothing that sounds even remotely good. Warwick is still standing there several minutes later debating with himself, when the tall man straightens up to his full height, and even seems to have a few inches on Jack. He has his back to Warwick, though Warwick can just about make another person that the man talking to, who he has to assume is taking over or starting his shift. Warwick thinks he can make out a mumbled conversation even if he isn't picking up any individual words. 
There is a snort of laughter that has to come from the tall guy for the way it echoes, followed by a clasped shoulder, and a bending down to retrieve a bag. Warwick watches the man leave, disappearing into the depths of the library where who knows what happens, leaving Warwick trying to work out just how much taller this guy is compared with Jack. Can I help you? Warwick jolts for the voice that calls out, turning to look over his shoulder before realizing the words are aimed at him. His eyes finally land on the man who has replaced the giant, and Warwick feels his throat dry out. He's beautiful. There is no other way to describe the man. Well, there is, Warwick thinks, taking in the shirt fitting just so over muscle, the thick, dark hair standing up in all directions, and the beautiful dark brown eyes piercing into him even from here. But those words are a little too lustful for a miserable gray afternoon. Which doesn't stop Warwick from allowing his eyes to linger over the man's lips instead. And that's double, Warwick adds, letting his mind wander to feeling it against his throat before he snaps out of it and tells himself to behave. Perhaps? Warwick hears next, which is just unfair. How can this hot librarian who he's been staring at for less than a minute already know about his secret language kink? Ah. Uh. I presume that the reason you were looking so completely out of your depth was because you didn't understand the language, the man says, leaving Warwick arguing with his jeans that they aren't tightening. His voice, Warwick thinks as he stumbles forward, trying to force his own to form words. I need to return a book. Then it is good that you have found yourself in a library. I got it from here. That is most fortunate. It's overdue, Warwick adds, fumbling for the book inside his jacket and staring at the man from a little closer, arguing with his stomach that it isn't turning in excited knots. I am sure there is a good reason, the man says, his tone suggesting that there is no good reason. That there will never be a good enough excuse for why Warwick has an overdue book. Ah. Uh. Unless of course, there is no good reason, the man says with an arched eyebrow for him. That you have held on to that book for far longer than the three weeks you are allocated to borrow it, meaning other library patrons have had to wait. Speak, Warwick commands himself, unconsciously leaning against the counter, wondering about the scratch of his stubble against his neck. Then he pictures him in bright orange swim shorts sprawled out on a sun-kissed beach and almost swallows his tongue for it, giving himself a coughing fit and feeling his cheeks heat in the process. Would you like a cup of water? As sure, Warwick croaks out his eyes now sweeping down over the man's back as he turns from him, falling to his ass as he bends to slot a plastic cup beneath the water cooler. Warwick does his best to avoid the man's fingers when he hands the cup over, stuttering out his thanks and feeling like a total moron. Now, if you will give me the book. Warwick slides the book across the counter and sucks in a breath, braced for an unsavory reaction. He watches nimble fingers fly over a keyboard and watches his eyes narrow into a scowl, then stumbles back when that scowl is turned on him. Mr. Hodge, the man says, and oh help, Warwick thinks, for the way he says his name. This book is 26 months and 5 days overdue. Yeah, that's. A while. That is an understatement, the man retorts, scowling even harder at him. Warwick is a helpless mess because he likes being on the receiving end of it. Oh listen. Warwick's eyes dart to the name badge pinned perfectly to the man's shirt, learning his name is Marwan. Listen Marwan. Oh, believe me. I am listening. For the tone of Marwan's voice, Warwick is temporarily dumbstruck. First, he shakes his head to clear it, and then he berates himself for acting like a fool. I'll pay, whatever it is. 
Mr. Hodge. Warwick. Mr. Hodge kind of. It's my dad. Warwick Marwan amends. Warwick is helpless for how good his name sounds on his voice. In. From his mouth. What reason would a person have for keeping a book for so long? I. Have you read it? I'm pretty sure I read it at the time. Do you remember anything from it? Marwan demands, thoroughly unimpressed with him. Ah. Uh. What interest would you have in Celtic runes? Marwan adds, with a heat to his glare that Warwick is having trouble snatching his eyes from. I was drawing. Drawing? Yeah, Warwick blurts out drawing. I needed some. I wanted some symbols for this thing I was putting together for a friend. Alicia. Does Alicia know the contents of this book? I don't. Is she the one who is responsible for this inexcusable tardiness? Marwan adds, his eyes narrowing a touch more, leaving Warwick not sure whether to take a step back or lean in a little closer for it. Uh, no. No, she isn't, she, I mean. No. No, she's not. I see. Warwick half wishes Alicia was here with him now so he would have something else to focus on besides getting so flustered. Then he thinks about how hard she would tease him for his reaction to Marwan here, and decides it is a horrible idea. Does this Alicia live with you? Marwan asks. There is a tone in his voice that Warwick doesn't know what to make of it all. Well. Practically. I'm the same at hers. Perks of having a best friend who thinks she owns the place. I see, Marwan replies, narrowing his eyes a touch more. Look. I'll, uh. I'm really sorry. Why are you returning the book now? I was helping my son. Your son kept hold of this book? Uh, no, Warwick stutters, no. Jack would never. Then the tardiness is all yours, Marwan concludes, glowering a little more. Warwick swallows hard, wishes there was still at least a sip more water in the cup he is currently crushing in his hand. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Warwick. What do you propose to do about that tardiness? H, how much? How much what? How much for the book? Warwick asks, watching long fingers begin to tap impatiently against the cover, and having to force his eyes elsewhere. Warwick. This is a library. Not a bookstore. And there is no current event for selling old books. I meant how much for you, for the... Neither am I for sale. Nor can be bought, Marwan retorts, the glint in his eyes doing interesting things to Warwick's stomach. I meant, uh, the fine. For the books. Book. How much? This library ceased finding for late book returns almost a year ago, Marwan replies. Your timing is. Convenient. That's, uh. That's great. Though there are still penalties for overdue items, Marwan adds, staring back at Warwick so hard that Warwick is sure he hasn't blinked in the entire time they have been talking. Like what? That depends on the library. Some request canned goods that are collected and passed to the nearest food bank. Others ask for volunteers to read to some of our younger patrons. A colleague of mine in a library in Indiana has an arrangement whereby overdue fees have been wiped in exchange for maintenance around the library itself. What kind of maintenance? Warwick asks, sure he can hear the paper peeling from the wall behind them. Painting. Decorating. Labeling the shelves oiling the book cartwheels. Many things. Okay, Warwick says, imagining that he wouldn't have a problem doing any of those things, 
Aside from the fact that he probably wouldn't be able to get a single thing done for being unable to stop looking at this guy. Are you offering your services, Mr. Hodge? Warwick. I. Or do you have an alternative suggestion? What do you need? Warwick stutters out, again in danger of getting fixated on those long fingers now drumming against the counter. I require nothing. Then. Though I am sure we can come to some arrangement, Marwan adds, once again making Warwick's throat dry out. Even if Warwick is sure the intent he's seeing on Marwan's face is nothing but his wild imagination and wishful thinking. Marwan sighs then as though Warwick has either gravely offended him or inconvenienced him beyond any sense of recovery. He drops down onto his forearms, leaving Warwick to stare helplessly between tautly pulled shirt sleeves and that stubble up close, before once again being stuck on the depth of Marwan's eyes. What kind of arrangement? Given that this book is very old. And very overdue. It is difficult to know what the penalty should be. I'll do anything, Warwick finds himself saying and internally whines at his choice of words. Anything. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I think so. You either know. Or you do not know. I know, Warwick blurts back at him, fingers wrapped around the edge of the counter and finding himself leaning in even more. Do you know the burger place two blocks from here next to the comic book store? I do, Warwick agrees, nodding, I go there all the time. Got cheeseburgers to die for. I agree, Marwan says, with a hint of a smile. Do you know what you are doing this evening around seven? I, uh. Well, I didn't make any plans. Dinner. Seven. At the burger place, Marwan tells him in no uncertain terms, stamping something on the inside cover of the book before typing at the keyboard, and putting the book down on a nearby pile. Are we agreed? Ah. Uh, I. Your payment, for the heinously late return of this book, Marwan says, nodding towards the book pile as he types at the keyboard again. My, you want me to have dinner with you? Is your cell number still the same as it was when you checked out this book two years ago? Yes, sure. I mean, it is. Marwan hums, still staring at the screen as he slides a phone from his back pocket, rapidly thumbing at it before putting it back. Warwick's pocket vibrates, Marwan's eyes on him the entire time he pulls his phone out. I dislike tardiness, Marwan says when Warwick manages to snatch his eyes away. I, okay. Seven o'clock, Marwan repeats, all but glaring at him. I will be in the booth nearest to the serving counter. I, well, okay Marwan, Warwick replies, feeling so out of his depth that he wouldn't be surprised if he was about to wake up from having a really bizarre dream. I look forward to it, Marwan adds, with a warmer smile that makes the corners of his eyes crinkle, which leaves Warwick barely holding in a wistful sigh that it isn't fair, Warwick thinks, that he's both hot and cute. But he is. And somehow, he's managed to score himself a date with the guy. Warwick is convinced Marwan's eyes are on him as he walks from the library, putting a little extra sway into his stride just in case. Adding Marwan to his contacts as he walks down the steps, Warwick messages back to say that he looking forward to it as he slides into his brand new truck. There is a smile on his face as he fires up the engine and heads for home. He has a date to get ready for.